head like we landed on the moon. Nothing been the same since. Uh-huh. Not at the line like shine bright. We in our prime, had the time of our life. We on the night. Hello and welcome to Scott and Paul's Rambling Podcast. Hello. Scott McLeod here, joined as always my good friend and fellow fan of Impact Wrestling, Paul Brown. Hello. <laughs> and it's been a while since we've talked about Impact. Last time we talked about it was shortly before No Surrender, where we were kind of, we had some mixed thoughts. I think I said I did more than Paul about A eh, Hard to Kill, even though we both agreed the main event was awesome. And yeah. going into No Surrender, we felt like uh, Impact was kind of a holdover kind of period where not a lot was really happening and there were some matches going into No Surrender that we weren't really that bothered about. No. So, what we're going to do here, we're, we're taking some time, I've been busy with some of the things, I've started a new job, I might have mentioned that, I've been told I mentioned it too much, <laughs> but you know, I'm proud of the fact that I finally got a job, but I have enough other podcasts that I do outside of this, so... I uh, finally caught up on everything that Impact related. What we're going to do is, because everything in wrestling right now has to be in two parts, we are doing this where we're going to look back at No Surrender and Sacrifice, everything that happened there. We're not going to break down every single match. We'll be here forever if we did that. But we'll talk about it. We and would. Yeah. And we we'll, and we'll come back in a couple of weeks' time, we'll talk about uh, Hardcore Justice, which is happening at time recording this Saturday. Uh, being hosted by Tommy Dreamer and uh, by the time we come back the full card for Rebellion should be being made clear so we'll kind of do a, kind of a review for Hardcore Justice slash preview for Rebellion and uh, sometime in May we'll come back with another Making an Impact episode where we talk about Rebellion and whatever happened there so mm. basically two parts to finally catch up on everything that is happening in Impact Wrestling even if even though, despite the fact that when you're listening to this, you probably already know what happened, but you might want to hear some other people's opinions of it. So that's what we're going to do across these two episodes. Yeah. This is basically, consider like this one especially, this part here being basically impact catch-up. Uh, and maybe, I don't know how long it'll be, but eventually down the line, I'm assuming me and Paul will put this part and the second part together and release it as the Snyder Cut of, our, of making an impact. But... Before we get into Impact mm. Wrestling, Paul, how have you been in your sales since the last time we recorded? I'm, I'm fantastic. <laughs> I just I just achieved a great a great thing today. Oh, yeah? I bought Iron Brew Bars and Highland Coffee Bars. You get in the, the double bag. Mm-hmm. Well, I bought three of those. Separated out all the shitey Highland toffee balls, put them in another bag, and put all the iron brew ones in one other bag, and now I'm happy because I've got a big ass bag of iron brew bars. Yeah, certainly what a great day you've been having. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the, the main thing that's happened to you? Plus, I've been watching a lot of history stuff this past week, so. Like what? Uh, like mysterious discoveries and things like that, you know. Mm. Random historical tidbits. Huh. Interesting. 
Anything you'd recommend to the people yeah. if they're into that? If, if you're into history and weird coincidence, then you'll love it. Yeah, enough. so that's been your main thing since uh, we last recorded, uh, which I believe was in your house. Yeah, just you know, iron yeah. brew bars and iron brew history. bars and history. Yeah. Well, so you do you, fan. You do you. More updates on the dog, by the way. Uh, I was I got a bit annoyed at Dexter during the week. What did he do? He uh, well, he shit indoors for one thing. Which is unpleasant. Well, prick. I think he had... I don't know what he did, but he was out. And he, we think he might have ate something or whatever, because that particular day his stomach was all upset, because I don't want to get into it, but that would that looked like a really bad shit today he did. And like, he was also a bit upset because my mum had left the house and he's not used to her leaving because he's kind of latched on to her since we got him. And so he was whining a lot, and then... He yeah, himself, like he just, we just went to Mullins and he was wandering about and then he just squatted right in the centre of the room. Took a big old shit and uh, I had to clean it up. Uh, my mum then said don't yell at him but it was too late because I'd already yelled at him quite a bit to get to his fucking bed. And he, he yeah. could tell that I was angry. Yeah. So yeah, that was a wee hiccup between me and Dexter. But then also... But he came neutered, like, we didn't specify we wanted a neutered dog, but, like, apparently his previous owner had him uh, neutered, he's four. But I thought really stopped him because in the last few days, my mum's came back from, from walk saying that Dexter was trying to, like, sniff around with other female dogs. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you can't get, get rid of that instinct, you know? Yeah, clearly, clearly now, you know, he's clearly saying, like, look... You can't get rid of the instinct to shag. <laughs> He's like, hey, ladies, I'm, I need a buzz, but my Ollie still works. <laughs> Go on. Or, like, because, uh, like, the three days that happened, like, we were out with a... We were out one time, me and my and we seen a, another dog that he was sniffing around who was clearly a female. He then took a piss on the grass, which that female then sniffed and pissed right in the same area. And I'm like, I said to my mum, I don't know what the, if there's a male equivalent to being in heat, but if there is one, Dexter's got it. Yeah. So, yeah, the weird things about having a dog... <laughs> And I know a lot of people last time were, I'm sure, were happy about me just going on about my dog. So I'm just going to like to start every podcast with a random story about what Dexter's been up to this week because he's a bit of a strange dog. He sounds, a bit, he sounds like a fun dog, so he's cool. He does, yeah. But, well, in, in terms of wrestling, uh, obviously this weekend is WrestleMania. Uh, are you looking forward to WrestleMania? Are you going to be able to check out WrestleMania? Do you know I am gonna I am gonna check out WrestleMania because I'm I'm definitely interested by the matches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was was hoping that like next week or so we can maybe do a wee bit of a not a full on review, but we can also talk about WrestleMania. Make that the main topic of discussion on next week's show. We'll do we'll do a review show. It's about as well cut together as those fucking highlights or episodes on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Very much. We'll we'll do it in in our way because you don't know if you remember when we were still get, trying to get accustomed to this way of, of recording last year, which is weird that yeah. it's been a. I know we've like there was a brief period late in the summer where we thought things were getting better. We recorded some stuff in person there, but it's been over a year of this shit. But I remember we did our WrestleMania 36 review, and that was all 
sorts of a mess. Because we started talking about the Funhouse yeah. match and then we just started working through matches in a weird order. We did. We did. But if, it's what we do. Yeah, if you're a fan Sometimes. of that. Yeah, if you're a fan of that type of review, and then you'll hopefully enjoy that or upcoming review because I don't know how we're going to do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm very hopeful for WrestleMania this year, though. Yeah? Yeah, well, I know who, like I say, I know who I will be predicting my, making my predictions of. Mm. Well, I, when, yeah. I give it, when I give us any predictions about the now, like not, you don't yeah. have to predict all the matches, just some the main ones you're interested in. I think Edge is going to win. Mm, so do I. I think Drew's going to win. Uh-huh. I'm, I reckon most likely that Bad Bunny and Damien Priest, I think they're going to win. Yeah, probably. Or it's a celebrity get involved. But, you know, apparently Bad Bunny has and been doing some training to get before this match. And you got to think, fair play to Damien Priest. Calls, gets called up from NXT, goes in the rumble and then gets told... Oh, by the way, you're teaming with a celebrity at WrestleMania, so you're basically guaranteed to win in your first Mania. Yeah, but also, in regards to the Sasha Banks match, Mm -hmm. could not give a fuck. I know, it's a shame. Could not give a fuck, fuck, because I hate Sasha Banks, and I hate Bianca Belair more. Why? Well, for one thing, She's a shite wrestler. Right. For two, she's a fucking moron. Again, I and don't... for three, she didn't win that Royal Rumble. You can't win a Royal Rumble when both your feet touch the fucking floor. Ah. You know? I wasn't sure which one you were talking about, and then, t- then you said she didn't win that Rumble, so I ah, thought about Bianca Belair. Yeah, Bianca Belair can fuck off. And thank fuck that Rhea Ripley, who should have won that Rumble, in my opinion... Thank fuck she's got a title match. Yeah, she is. And I hope to God she wins. Yeah, she showed up uh, a few weeks ago because I think they wanted Lacey Evans in a, a main spot mania. She got pregnant and then Charlotte got Thank COVID. Christ. And then Thank she, Christ. Yeah, then Charlotte got COVID and then Rhea comes in. But you know if Rhea Ripley wins, Asuka will, be, will go winless at WrestleMania. Don't care. She hasn't been presented very well and she didn't win that goddamn title. She had it handed to her, for God's sake. Well, she won money in the bank. And they didn't. And apparently that was for the title, which she didn't know at the time. So technically she did win it, but I'm not getting into that. I, I like Asuka as a wrestler, yeah. but I don't get the, uh, the what everybody loved about her in the ordinary. Uh, they're like, oh, she's mental because she's speaking Japanese, which is her first language. So why is that? Why is that yeah. mental? What? I just found that irritating. I mean, fair enough, you know, the idea that you don't know what she's on about, and if you're into that, fair enough, and it's easy, if it's easier for her to cut promos in Japanese rather than English, if it's not her first language, but then I, get, I don't get what the what everyone's so entertained about. Like, she's speaking her native language. That's entertainment now. But I'm going to move on from there, because I think uh, a lot of the rest of me talk can be done next week, and we are going to get into Impact in a minute, but... I do want to mention a fun thing that uh, obviously in the US WWE's been moved uh, the network over to Peacock in the US so that's the main place if you live in America you can get the network and all their content which Peacock's owned by NBC 
and apparently there's been some issues with like delays of like stuff being uploaded and uh, like some stuff that also didn't age well getting cut off, getting taken off uh, but yeah. like yeah, I think the Nation of Domination parody segment by DX is getting taken off and mm. uh, Vince McMahon saying the N-word uh, in front of John Cena and Booker T in 2005 that got taken off uh, also Piper's mm. promo where he, was, where he painted half of his face from WrestleMania 6 I think got taken off as well so uh, but then again like I know there's a whole debate about this and I don't want to get into it but uh, I've talked about it on other podcasts uh, my brother's talked about it as well in the SSR but uh, you know the other stream services have done a thing which I think WWE maybe should have done with Peacock and the network that you know disclaimers saying some of the material yes we get will not be acceptable now but these were representing ideas that may have been acceptable at the time. But mm. because, like, if you edit stuff out, you're kind of pretending it didn't happen rather than just addressing, like, look, we we know you. this is fucked up now. We made a mistake. We didn't know we fucked up at the time. Mm. You know? Uh, well, And also, like, again, the idea, like, this, didn't you pick up it? I think we're doing it with uh, the stuff that suits our 2021 uh, standards and practice as well. A lot of this stuff probably won't meet the standards of 2021 because those were the standards of the time. And that wasn't 2021 yeah. there. And, you know, that's all thing. But also, like, it's been delayed with certain content being put up because, like, uh, RAWs are only available up to a certain point right now. And a lot of people are saying about certain content not being available yet that this is going to lead to maybe old DVDs or VHSs being more valuable now. So. Well, I know you would never sell any of your VHSs, but it looks like if Peacock goes the way it's going, you're potentially sitting on a bloody gold mine. No, I know. <laughs> no, I've also I've also got a bunch of like wrestling DVDs from like the mid two thousands mostly, so I doubt there's much value for them. But if there's anybody who's annoyed with Peacock, who's really into their you know ruthless aggression era pay per views and can I get access to them right now, please hit me up and we'll negotiate a price. Speaking of your, your VHS collection, Paul, uh, have you made any additions or are there any you're looking to get at the minute? I haven't made an addition for a while now. Is that because you're... I haven't made an addition for... What's the last one I bought? Hmm. I bought SummerSlam. Uh, I think... I think I I think the last time you talked about it, I think maybe in SummerSlam was it 2000 maybe? Because you said how you generally didn't remember the results or anything like that. Yeah, I still don't because I haven't watched it yet. Why not? I had to buy another copy. Oh, yeah, yeah, you meant you did. Well. Yeah. But. Nah. I've bugged at my collection as big as I needed to be at the minute. I'm only buying specific tapes if I see them now. Alright. I'm trying very hard to get some of Slam 95. Alright. But I'm not paying 15 fucking quid for it. Tell you that. No, I think if you want to get some of Slam 95, especially given the uh, the quality of that show, I think the lowest possible price someone's willing to give you for it, then that's what you take. And 15 is not low enough. Yeah, I'm not paying 15 for just the Shawn Michaels match. Mm-hmm. You know? No, pay 15 quid to watch Sean throw a tantrum because the tail's not properly secured. Yeah. 
but you talk about one match with pay-per-views mm-hmm. that's one of them and it ain't the main event neither <laughs> I know I mean we talked about like in your house good friends better enemies I think sometimes you can forgive a one match show at the main event is that match but because you know, obviously the main event should be what you think of it when you go because you've got a shit main event people are going to look back on a pay-per-view fairly negatively uh, and like more often than not the best match weirdly ends up being the opener which is weird how that ends up mm. happening like the very first in years we talked about Brett Fiakushi was like a great match and then everything after that just seemed to fall off a cliff mm. But, you know, I, I've had fun talking about Sean VD, so if you haven't checked that out yet, please check out our in your house seminar review in our back catalogue. It was the last episode that we did. So, I know you said that you, mm-hmm. you were sitting out to, like, you built your collection as much as you wanted to, so you've been looking for, like, every pay-per-view of, like, the 90s or, like, the 80s. So, if, once you've collected, like, SummerSlam 95, that'll be every SummerSlam of the, uh, the 90s. Is there anything in specific you're looking for, or is that most of your collection kind of complete in your eyes mostly yeah mostly mm. if I can get the if I can get that SummerSlam mm-hmm. I think I've got all the 90s SummerSlams I think almost mm. see I've got all the Rumbles and I've got all the Manias I need to get the other two now I need to get all the SummerSlams and all the Survivor Series uh, and also, I think it's also worth maybe trying to get certain in your houses you may not have, you know, you know for our series. I mean, have you got like Beware oh, of no, Dog? I've got all the ones, I've got all the in your houses that are important now. Oh, that's good. Have you, like, have you got like Beware of Dog that we're going to do next? Yeah, I've got that. Cool. And it's, it's funny that I say Beware of Dog just in the background. I don't know if anyone heard it, that Buddy Dexter starts barking. Mmm. Not that it's not that dog you need to be aware of. I mean, he might he'll bark like mad at you, but he'll know he'll actually bite you. <laughs> he may, you know, if you if you're against dogs licking your hand, then you're in danger with with Dexter. But, you know, I think we're we're about twenty minutes or so into this uh, this podcast. I think people would be wanting us to talk about Impact, so we'll just dive back into the world of Impact. I've I've made some notes that I sent over to Paul. Uh, because I thought, well, with everything we're going to talk about, it's best to like section each, uh, like part of this. It's, it's, it's best to do this in in sections, and we're going to start with the uh, the world title scene, and going into yep. no surrender. I was kind of down on the the idea of Swan versus Dreamer for the title, mainly because well, the whole reason it was set up was oh, it's Tommy Dreamer's fiftieth birthday, no surrender, so we're going to have a match. When Moose was kind of on the periphery, you know, he's met a guy's title shot that he was promised. But it was actually you, Paul, that uh, going into it was trying to say, you know, you know, it'll be a good match, it'll be a good main event. It was a good match. It was, yeah. I I, I did say, I think maybe my expectations were quite low, which is why I enjoyed it as much as I did. Mm. It was a really good match. I thought Dreamer held his own in it, you know. Mm hmm. Rich Swan did his usual thing. I think with uh, with, with Dreamer, like he had competed in pretty much the main exclusively almost uh, was old school rules matches, and mm. 
And I felt like the frequency of those matches that he can be in, I thought there was like some weaknesses that he was trying to hide, which is why when they announced it as a straight up like singles match for the title, had me a little bit worried. But uh, I really enjoyed it as much as I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I, I'd like yeah. th- that the opening video package was a lot about Tommy, you know, talking about the years of being a fan and then getting into wrestling. And I think Matt Stryker talked about uh, the relationship with Terry Funk and Tommy Dreamer when Tommy Dreamer was, was young and in ECW and talking about how, well, Dreamer's the Funk, now he's the veteran and Rich Swan is the young like, up-and-comer who's now the world champion. Oh, I think yeah. it's good they also put Rich uh, over. I did think it was weird that... Uh, because I remember not knowing if this was maybe part of it, but the whole thing of Tommy like catching Rich off the apron, hitting him with the fellow driver on the outside, and then the rest of you about focusing on the fact that Tommy had dislocated his finger. Mm. Which, honestly, I'm not saying that's not a painful thing. I've never dislocated my finger, so anybody out there watching that who... Yeah, that, that shit is painful, man. I know. Like, I'm not that saying... That shit is very painful. I'm not saying it isn't, but... It was the fact that they did point out the fact that Tommy's the innovator of violence and now you're kind of like, I hope they don't think about stopping the match just for a for a finger. Like, being <laughs> bad, given, that, given that Tommy Dreamer and everything he's been through in his career. Uh, just because it was specifically Tommy Dreamer, but I think the fact that it was worked so much into the match, it was either a, good, a happy accident that worked well or it was like planned and Tommy somehow able to pop his finger out for the purposes of the match. Mm. Uh, so yeah, which obviously retained as you'd expect and then as they were doing this whole like showing of respect, Moose comes out and attacks both of them. Uh which which then like says like, okay, we've done the nice uh, feel good thing with Tommy, now we're back to the main thing which is Moose versus Swan. Yeah. Uh so then uh, Swan uh, disappeared for a couple of weeks obviously selling the impact of the injuries uh, from the attack from Moose and then Dreamer gets a match with Moose on the following impact which he, he loses. But it's it's then that Moose has gone on this kind of tear and he attacks Jake something after a match and Scott Demore declares that the TNA Championship is an officially recognised title and he makes the first def- recognised defence against against uh, Jake something later that night which you know, good yeah for... that was a good match mm-hmm because I forgot how tall Sonny Jake is because like, obviously I've seen him around like against Diener and he's quite <coughs> tall but like he still looks like a big lad even standing next to Moose who's a big lad in his own right mm. Mm. and it's funny that uh, Jake, Jake something it would have been nice to see the, the match go a bit longer I mean it was a good match mm-hmm the only thing I would have done different is made it last a bit longer, make it more like, oh fuck, is he actually going to beat him for this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would have liked that as well. Yeah. There's always an opportunity for Moose to have another match with Jake down the line. Cause, uh, it should be, but like, it's like you said in your notes, you know? Like, you know, he has his, he has his defence. Mm-hmm. We know where it all leads to, you know? Yeah, I think it was just because like defending the title like, officially because I like the uh, like missing the beginning of his teenage title run where he would just be uh, coming out for a regular match and then forced a ring announcer to announce it as being for the TNA title. 
But then Impact started advertising some of his matches as TNA World Title matches, which is yeah. funny for a title that's not recognised. But you know that's a wee, a wee nitpick from me. Uh, but I think the reason I say I think there should be another time for these two to have a match is it does look like as we're talking about with everything to do with Violent by Design later on that Jake is hopefully being set up for a big singles push and if it is prolonged he'll hopefully be mixing around with the likes of Moose and that again but like I said this was about progressing where the title was going and unfortunately the man who looks like Beard Meets Food did not come out as the TNA World Champion he did not he did not, he should have but he did not I think you can almost forgive it that even though he won his match uh, they got attacked afterwards by Moose from uh, yeah. he'd still wrestled earlier that night so he was kind of he kind of had a bit he wasn't as fresh as Miss but you know uh, he will have his, his opportunity later on but Swan does come back and they announced that at Sacrifice they're going to do like an official there's only one champion in Impact Wrestling the TNA champ versus the Impact champion and mm. going into Sacrifice I thought well hopefully this is where it happens you know Miss gets his win and becomes the champion officially but Swan uh, is the one who wins and I have, we find out on the go home impact because Moose and Swan are about to have a in-ring segment and he keeps coming backstage to Scott Demore talking to a, a figure we don't see I think we can assume that that figure was, was Don Callis because they announced that yeah. whoever wins this match sacrifice goes on to a match at Rebellion another unification match it's going to be the Impact, the Undisputed Impact Champion taking on the EW Champion Kenny Omega title versus title and uh, soon, I hope look, look, Kenny Omega loses that he's not gonna but, but he's gonna because he's a dickhead I know he's a dickhead but for some reason all the best wrestlers have to be dickheads you know Shawn Michaels he's not even wrestler he's weird looking too he's ugly as fuck yeah, the curly hair is, is a weird look, especially in 2021. But He's just... He looks like a well-skilled arse, man. He's ugly as But as soon as they announced, oh, by the way, the winner goes out to face Kenny Omega and the W title's involved, immediately I'm like, okay, well, Swan then has to win because I... Because I'll say Swan won, and we'll talk about the, the sacrifice match in a second, but I think... Well I'm, well, I'm hoping for. Here's how I'm laying it out, if you'll indulge me for a second. And mm. hopefully, you know, we know Scott Demore and Don Cass probably listen to us, big fans of our Impact reviews still there. Yeah. So let me pitch that to you. Okay, Swan's obviously the interview champion. I think the TNA title's done now because Swan's just been coming out with the Impact title, but it's kind of sad to see that white strap of the TNA title go. Uh, I loved it. Yeah, so did I. And so, the Swan loses to Omega at, at, at Rebellion. They do the whole thing where he, he goes around, because I think it's your uh, um, no, Impact uh, AW have a pay-per-view in May, which is a double or nothing. So let Omega go around with both titles, because Omega then will have to appear probably a bit more of an on-impact. And... Yeah. We, then we then I think while he's away like doing his AW stuff, we do a thing where we set up for Slammiversary. We find out who's gonna take bring back the title, and I think that's where we put a belt on Moose finally. And 
you can maybe do one more match between Moose and Swan or Moose Aaron's this shot Omega by beating Swan because you know Moose is like I would have beat if I came out with the titles I'd have beaten you know Omega like you're supposed to be the guy who carries the company and now you're letting another company's champion take our world title and that's Moose's journey to the title and Moose beats Omega I say Slammiversary because you want it to happen on pay-per-view and I think the next biggest place for uh, the for the Impact title for Moose to win the title would be all baby on uh, Slammiversary. Mm. That's how I'd like to do it. Yes, especially if like you have a number one contender crown for the Impact title while Omega's still in AEW with it. You'd have their pay-per-view and at the end of it, uh, Omega's posing with both belts, out comes Moose and attacks them and keeps like right on about that because it seems to be like everybody can like can pop up everywhere because you know you got we have bloody people from Japan popping up in Impact we've got people from Impact in Japan going or AEW Chris Jericho's appearing on uh, Stone Cold's Broken Skull sessions on the the network on Sunday no so you know there's, there's so many ways they could do it I know it's a shame but like Swan like does seem to be that can be set up as the fall guy for to lose to Omega because as much as an effort he's going to put into it, uh, between the two, Moose is the more believable guy to beat Kenny Omega. Yeah. I think there's a lot that could end up happening in the coming months, but it's just where it's going to go, you know? Yeah, it's just because you really think what the elements of the this relationship, the impact in AEW have, because I don't see, I'm sure AEW have a, like, a clear plan of what they want to do with their their title and everything and who they want to beat Kenny Omega and so yeah. I don't think also, they w- New Japan as well yeah but like I don't Back- think sorry I interrupted you oh and AAA as well you know yeah you got AAA involved because I think that's where Black Taurus uh, made his name mostly uh, before coming in the impact but like, yeah, so I don't think um, uh, AEW would kind of put everything on hold just to have Swan come out on AEW with their title because their title is quite big, and I don't. And Swan is like a scrawny wee guy, so I don't think he could fucking hold that thing. No, he looked like he was struggling to hold up with the Impact and TNA belts at the end of Sacrifice. <laughs> uh. I mean. I see struggle he's a scrawny wee guy. I've seen his kicks, he could probably kick my teeth in. Oh. It's interesting when you mention that, it's like you say and then your notes you say it as well. Mm-hmm. What's gonna happen for Moose now? You know? Yeah. Like what genuinely in the, is Moose gonna everything gonna accumulate in Moose staying with impact? Because that's one thing that's been worrying me. Uh-huh, because You'll know I mentioned it before. If you, I've shared on my social media. I, one of my first articles of Culture Vultures that I occasionally contribute for was an article explaining why I thought Miss is the true face of Impact Wrestling and should be presented as such and being given a run with the world title. Because he because he's actually been in the company since twenty sixteen, I believe. So that's yeah. a that's a long time. And other than this this Impact uh, thing with the TNA title and. The only other thing he's done is like two brief reigns as grand champion, and that's about it in terms of titles. And you think a guy as as physically dominant as him would be the kind of guy you put the title on, have that monster run, and then build something up to take it off him? Yeah. And his contract is meant to come up in June, and so there's one or two ways this could be. 
there's the the worst case scenario in that Moose doesn't want to stay and so the also that one beat him to end it, conclude the storyline before he leaves. Or the best case scenario, which is they don't they're building Moose up and they don't want him to take the loss to Omega. So there's the, the, the TNA title and that off of him and had Swan lose to Omega and so that Moose can have his true coronation as Impact Champion eventually down mm-hmm. the road. And I'm sure a lot of us prefer the best case scenario. That'd be cool. Yeah, because I tried to we're going to mention a couple of times here, uh, Reno Scum recently announced that they're done with Impact. I read that the other day, it made me quite pissed off. Yeah, so Reno Scum, along with like, the tie of Valkyrie and Ethan Page, recently leaving. So, like, that's a few big, like, departures in such a short space of time. So, like, if I'm Scott DeWar or Don Callis, I'm doing everything possible to encourage him to stay. Well, it's going to be hard to encourage a guy to stay when you're making half the fucking talent that could fight him leave. Well, yeah. Uh, well, speaking of former Impact talents, by the way, we talk about uh, Dez and Wentz. Well, they are as far as I know as Dez and Wentz. Uh, spoilers, people, if you haven't watched it, but last night, uh, night one of NXT TakeOver, Stand and Deliver, uh, they are as far as I know as Dez and Wentz, now MSK, uh, won the NXT tag titles. Deadly. Mm-hmm. Which was so- good for- able to do an impact then. What? The one thing we weren't didn't seem to be able to do an impact. Yeah, and like uh, the titles were vacated because like they remember they won the Dusty Classic and the champs that they were meant to face, one of them got injured so they were in a triple threat uh, for the vacant titles and then won them. And so like that quick of a push like to the titles I think is part of the reason why they probably wanted to leave in the first place where they thought, well, I don't think Impact or going to put the titles on us anytime soon and you know these people are going to push this and give us more money and we've got families to think of it so off we go yeah yeah so like as good as they as fun as they were yeah. watching Impact they like weren't they didn't seem to like see them as guys to be the champions for whatever reason yeah just, no, I get you I mean I get why they why they had to leave it's just as sad they did you know yeah but, you know, we've, we've still got Trey. NXT belts and the onwards and upwards and such, you know? Yeah, because NXT during the pandemic, one of the things that suffered that's usually great about NXT is the tag division. And uh, that kind of took a bit of a slump, but with, like, MSK's, like, uh, just a classic final match against Grizzled Jung Vets at the last takeover, and then this Trouble Threat, which was excellent as well, I think they're kind of yeah. at the forefront of kind of the, uh, the rejuvenation of the... Uh, NXT tag division, which is good for them. Yeah. You know, they're helping they like inject some new life into that division. But, being of tag divisions, we are going to move on to the, the Impact tag division in a second, but uh, you want to give some brief thoughts on the uh, the actual match between Moose and, and Swan from Sacrifice? Moose and... Oh, it, it was alright, you know? Hmm. It was. I mean, it was. It was what you'd expect from a Miss One match, you know. Uh huh. But, mm, again, like when you see it, there was, there was just something that wasn't quite right about it, and I'm not quite sure what it was. Mhm. You know. Yeah. Just it didn't have the right feel to me. Hmm. I, 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 I was. I was seriously disappointed when Rich One won. 
Mm. I mean, I like I like him and everything, but he just is not the guy for that that moniker he has. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, is he's the undisputed champion? He's just that guy. You know, we've been covering Impact more regularly since like uh, around about last year's anniversary. And it's it's weird how quickly we've weirdly turned on Swan and through no fault of his own. Like we've yeah. we went from ah you can do it you can be the champion to then he becomes champion like oh he's not a very good champion. Well no I mean you you get that whole pocky underdog thing and then you're like ah you've done it now get it back he's <laughs> a big man. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, pretty much it. The title. I think for me, like the fact that they announced the Omega uh, stipulation after it for Rebellion, maybe hindered it because I get you why announce it now because you want people to to wonder who's going to fight Omega and obviously him being on the pay per view, they want that in terms of pay per view buys because apparently, a uh, Hard to Kill was one of their more successful pay per views uh, recently in terms of buys, and. Yeah. Well, on the other side of that, apparently, a uh, recent uh, one of the last episodes on a Tuesday before they move, what, what featured Omega coming in to get a promo and the lead up to his match with Swan, drew one of their lowest ratings on Access TV in, uh, in quite a while. So, yeah. so we, we, I think the, the novelty on, on TV is worn off, but on pay per view, he's still drawing numbers for them. But I think yeah. if you waited until like after the match to announce that. Are going to face Omega, it would have been a bit better because you would have been suspending your disbelief, wondering who's going to win. Whereas, and for me personally, I feel like as soon as the Omega thing was announced, like, okay, so Swan's going to win. Yeah. And, like, it was kind of almost bittersweet because, you know, he, he wanted Miss to be, have he finally have his moment, and then this announcement came, and you think, oh, well, we're not going to get Miss as a champion, at least not for now. Mm. But you done doing like tidings and talk about New Japan. We had a a New Japan team pop up in, in Impact recently because uh, you know Good Brothers retained at, at No Surrender against Private Party and uh, the Beer Guns, Chris Saban and James Orm, who did take the pin. Uh, I don't as I predicted they would. I don't know if it's for the reasons that I suggested or if that was just me talking at Mars, but. It was a decent finish with uh, Private Party hitting their tag finisher on, I think, Saban, I'm going to say. And yeah. uh, I think Anderson got a blind tag and then stole the pin at the end. So, you know, smart, like, you taking advantage of the triple threat situation. But then they came across paths with Finn, just David Finlay, and just Robinson of New Japan. Well, uh, what are your thoughts on, on Finn, just? Uh, you know, at first I thought they were a couple of fuds, <laughs> but now I kind of like them. They're growing on me. Mm, that's good. That's good to hear. Oh, definitely growing on me. Mm-hmm. Those who aren't aware, obviously, uh, just Robinson was an NXT for a while as DJ Parker, kind of this weird hippie character he played. Uh, he was kind of like 2019 uh, heel Daniel Bryan, but not as good. And uh, David Finlay, also the son of, of Fit Finlay. Uh, yeah. He's a half German, half Irish, apparently. Uh, and what's nice, uh, and so they've been going back and forth between Impact and, and New Japan the last couple of months. Uh, again, part of this whole Forbidden Door or 
Forbidden Port, whatever it is people are calling it with Wii. People are able to go back and forth. Yeah, yeah. so their, their announcement came out of nowhere. They came at the uh, they beat Reno Skillman in a match uh, on Impact in their debut. They've been, well, they put them as the wee like, nods to old tag teams, like they did the old Power and Glory uh, suplex splash combination, or like they, 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 they pull out the Doomsday device, or the uh, what Matt Stryker incorrectly said was a Heart Foundation move, it's actually Demolition's move. The, the demolition decapitation where they did the elbow like drop to a guy while he's across the other guy's knee which is a nice yeah. touch from, from these guys and then uh, I think they were like through New Japan like Young Lions system where they basically had to like help set up the ring uh, basically do whatever they, the veterans told them to do when Gallows and Anderson were on the run in Japan and so Yellows and Anderson basically treated, try to still try to treat them as as young boys when these guys have already been like tied champs in their own right, and yeah. so also that then so they they did a big eight man tag against a Triple XL and Reno Scum, which they they argued in, but then they they managed to still get the win, and then the challenge was made for sacrifice, and I really like their 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 contract signing segment where they were doing the whole. Like taking shots between every time someone tried to sign the contract, culminating with Fenji just throwing the the whiskey in their face. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's, oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy. Little good brothers don't have those titles anymore. What What was that about? The I was going to ask. What was it about Fenji that made them grow on you? Was it mainly because they beat the good brothers, or was it anything else? I mean, they're really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. We're really, really, really cool fucking champions, two of them, right? Yeah. And the Good Brothers are wankers, man. Absolute wankers, both of them. <laughs> Particularly the big LG. That guy's a fuck. It's all he is. Okay. I, I he's, know. A, he's an absolutely garbage wrestler, for one thing. He's utter shite. I've never seen him, a useless dickhead than that, Ian. And if I seen him humping that belt one time, I would have kicked his fucking balls until he fell off. Well, you know, for now there's no belt humping belt, or whatever. Balls, any legged fucking psycho. <laughs> so. Dickhead. Yeah. That's what he was. Yeah. So, if interesting, he said they won the titles. I think uh, the story of this match was basically that. The Good Brothers weren't still weren't taking Finjus seriously, and that uh, backfired on them. They did hit Anderson with a doomsday device to win. But uh, part of Finj- uh, just Robinson's repertoire is a really hard like left hand punch, which uh, the announcers don't call it by its name at any point in Impact, but it's called the Left Hand of God, where, which I think goes back to a storyline of him like uh, having a broken hand before and he was competing in a tournament in Japan. I can't remember what it was. When it, where it came from, but that's one of his main finishes. And just Robinson, he hasn't used, I don't think, an impact yet, but he does a version, a jumping version of Christian's uh, unprettier move, but he calls it, yeah. he calls it Pulp Friction. Mm-hmm. Which I think is quite cool in a name, but yeah, it was. It came out of nowhere for them to win the title. It was, uh, I'm sure, like, um, this and Sacrifice were kind of taped uh, but ahead of time because. You know, uh, Finjus has spent quite a bit of time in Japan recently. They were had they were both in the New Japan Cup tournament. Uh, just got put out in the 
in the first round, whereas Finlay surprisingly got himself got himself to the semis before losing. But around about uh, shortly after sacrifice happened, they started coming out for their New Japan matches with the Impact Tag Titles, uh, which is nice to see. And mm-hmm. so you know, get that them acknowledging the fact that they're the the Impact Tag Champs. Uh, so I hope they you get to see them more. You know, they've got a rematch with the Good Brothers Rebellion that's already been announced. And I hope that this isn't just a case of they come in, they win the titles, lose them, and then leave again. Because I want them to be a bigger kind of part of the the division. Because also you already lost, you know, Scum. You've got, uh, I think you've got some decent teams that you can have them face. Because you know you've got uh, them, the Good Brothers, Triple XL, as I mentioned. Uh, this new version of Decay with Taurus and Crazy Steve. You got Violent by Design. The uh, the Beer Guns are still a team. East Austin and Fulton could go back into the tag division if they wanted to. Uh, but like Finn just yep. clears up a problem that I mentioned to you in the last podcast we did about Impact in that the face side of the tag division is really lacking. And I think they really are a vital mm-hmm. addition to that. There's no there's never any need for faces. Faces suck. I know, but you, you do need faces because all heels is boring. Just a roster full of okay, heels. Well you need Incompetent, incompetent faces, Lynn. Okay, yeah, it is a problem that a lot of faces are booked incompetently, but a well-booked baby face, I think, is very well booked. And uh, just Robinson and Finley have been booked as competent. I think you can technically call Taurus and Crazy Steve faces. I don't think they really conform to heal or face at any point. Yeah. Hmm. So, you know, hopefully this means good things for the tag division going forward with Finjuice as the tag chance. Because I think if they held on to the belts, beat the Good Brothers again, and maybe have them drop into someone like a Violent by Design, I think would be a good move. Yeah, that'd be cool. That would be. I think you've, got, you've also got Rhino and Joe Doring. Well, well, representing Violent by Design, as we're going to talk about later on. Or it could really be any combination. It could even be Freebird or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been it's rare to see that happening. You know, the new day have been like one of the more recent examples of it happening, but it doesn't happen as often. Yeah, but you know, I think you know I had some complaints before about the tag division before Finn just came in, but something that the last couple of months has been like, I think the best thing about Impact consistently for the last couple of months has been the X division, because uh, that triple threat eliminator. Like while confusing when on paper we explain the rules and execution worked very well, I thought. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you had starting off. You had Trey suicide Blake Christian doing some incredible stuff. You had Blake Christian pulling out a double Hurricane Rana on two guys at the same time, and the more I watched them, the more I thought, God, it's a shame Impact didn't sign you when they had the chance. Yeah, <laughs> it was really annoying. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, so Suicide got first eliminated then I think Davari comes out but he gets quickly eliminated got Josh Alexander who's really dominant here Chris Bay I think comes out after him like Chris Bay, I think Chris Bay actually, sorry, comes out before Alexander but the fact that Chris Bay went out so early when Josh Alexander made him tap out to the ankle lock mm. uh, well, that came out of you know, when Ace Austin kind of strolls in as the last guy but Josh Alexander mm. won the match and then I uh, got the shot at TJP but 
and I put my nose here when I in dominant fashion because Alexander was made to look like a beast here. Yeah. Uh, which I assumed would made, would made you happy, obviously being a fan of Josh Alexander. It did. It did. Mm. I still think we, we could be doing a lot more with him just now. I think we're being very slow with his build. Yeah, because I think, like, TJP beat Rohit, which I think we all knew was going to happen. You know, the whole thing with Shia come back, I think, didn't actually pay off in the way that we thought it might, because it just ended up being Rohit lost, blames uh, Shia for it, and now they broke up, which... Yeah. Which makes you think, why did you pair Shira with Rohit in the first place when he came back? Why don't you just bring him back on his own? Yeah. Yeah, because I think the Desi hit squad are pretty much, pretty much done now. That's good. Rohit's better on his own anyway. Yeah. Although I think, like you said, he's really pushed with the Activision title and keeping it. I think he's going to go back to where he was when before that, where he was kind of not getting as many wins as he was. Mm. But like well, Alexander, he won the title. Won the title. He won the the Gauntlet Eliminator. He versus TJB opened the very next episode of, of Impact. They had a phenomenal match with like also TJP working as a smaller guy, but managing to kind of almost outsmart Alexander and avoid the ankle lock. And I think yes, Alexander lost after that getting hit with the Mamba Splash. He looked good in defeat, but then I think after that. Like after a really strong couple of weeks, Alexander kind of just does very little. Like he's done the odds like backstage thing, or he was on the losing end of a six man. But I'm hoping when we talk about who's now the X Division champion, hopefully then Alexander will be a future challenger. Mm. Yeah. So Alexander, like I said, lost. East Austin was complaining about not getting his opportunity after yeah, he won the the Super X Cup. So they had. Him team with uh, Taurus and Chris Bay, uh, you know, and Willie Mack, uh, Trey and Josh Alexander, and Ace Austin team won. So then they went on to a triple set the following week, and the winner faced TJP at Sacrifice, which is and Ace Austin won that. Uh, Ace Austin, us in that. Ace Austin did kick us in that, but also Ace Austin, I get us in that. He did. He something kicks ass in general. He does. He mm. really does. Mm-hmm. And, and I, yeah, I could say other things in regard to it, but I'll keep that for myself. <laughs> but you know, I was really okay. impressed. Also. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry, can you say that again. I said there's many things I would say about him. In your own time, Paul. In your own time. <laughs> All complimentary, of course. Of course, of course, yes. Nothing at all negative. Hmm. But I think we know about the the trouble threat going into it, obviously how impressive Ace is, how impressive Chris Bay is, but Black Taurus was like the X Factor going into it. And I I really enjoy him being part of the X Division and him just being a part of the roster in general. Yeah, you think he's a a great addition to it. Great addition, and plus he's got that thing, you know. He's he's got a decent bit of power. Plus, he's agile. It's a lot to be admired in that guy. I remember watching him wrestle, and I think this is like probably what Vince wanted Mantar to be. And <laughs> like you got little, little jokes, like what you see online, and uh, and then what what actually comes. So like, 
Black Taurus is what's advertised on like Amazon, and then what actually arrives is Mantar. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's but it's very not. I mean, if you think like that was Vince's idea of what Taurus was supposed to be, you know. Mhm. Well, right. let's face it, Mantar was a '95 creation. <laughs> yeah, and like he was terrible. He was on what was he? he was only like used in a couple of rumbles or. So wasn't he? He was you like early ninety five, I think when he, he may have been in ninety four but I know he was in ninety five. But yeah. he, he had a couple of different gimmicks. He was also gangster in that random segment we talked about on Good Friends Better Enemies. But Yeah, yeah. He was one of these guys who kept getting given crap gimmicks, none of what none of which worked. But I also had another <laughs> fun comparison for, for Taurus and that in tech for all you Pokemon fans out there, uh that you think about El Torito from the WWE, he's the, he's the first stage of the Pokemon, then there's a middle one, and then the final stage is Black Taurus. He's the, he's the Charizard of that evolution. Yeah, Mantar is like, Mantar is like egg stage. <laughs> Why, just because he's shaped like one? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, also, some uh, weird uh, rumours, uh, they seem like old news now, but I'll talk about it here. That uh, going into this impact, like set of tapings, there was all this news about uh, Sammy Gravara from AEW, where there was apparently a, pl- a pitched idea uh, for him to come and do a thing in Impact, which ended up not happening because what happened was he was meant to take a couple of weeks off TV because uh, he was part of Jericho's faction, but then he was meant to be kicked out and they were going to take him off TV for a couple of weeks and then we'd come back and earn his way back in. And so also the idea yeah. was, while he's off TV, let's have him go to Empire, let's continue this relationship. And like depending on who you talk who you read, it was either Impact pitched an idea that was rejected and then they pitched a second one and AEW liked the second one, or it was the other way around where AEW picked an idea that Impact didn't like before coming back with an alternative. But basically the idea was of uh, of Sammy Gwarg basically coming in and challenging for the X Division title and potentially winning the title. As yeah. Part. And so the idea then him coming back and showing up on AW TV with the X Division title uh, to keep this relationship going. But like the idea for some reason the the idea they pitched to him he didn't like and uh they said that oh we put black it was revealed that oh black tourism and been put in his place, at least that's what was reported, so a lot of people incorrectly assumed that Simon Guevara was supposed to join Decay, but I think what they were meaning was because of this episode hadn't aired yet that in the six-man tag, uh, Sammy would have teamed with Ace and Crispy instead of Taurus, and then maybe yeah. Sammy Guevara would have won the triple threat to go to Sacrifice, or something like that. Mm, maybe, maybe. Then I'm, not, I'm, not too, I'm not too big up on Sammy Guevara, if I'm honest, you know? No, he, he is a bit of a twat. You know, he, he's still fairly young, so I think that's why he's such a twat, because he was the guy who, uh, who got suspended for a few weeks because of an old clip came out of him saying some... Uh, an appropriate shit about Sasha Banks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he has a bit of a funny, like, he's accident- he accidentally fucked up Matt Hardy's face because he threw a chair too hard at him. Oh, he's that cunt. Aye. He's that cunt that basically broke Matt Hardy's face in. Aye. Idiot. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, apparently, so there's a, also a story that Sammy drove to Nashville to, or flew over to, to be part of the tapings. <sighs> And then got a call with Jericho, and he talked to Jericho about how he didn't like the idea, and basically got sold. Well, just come home then to leave, 
And then Tony, probably that Tony Khan was legit very annoyed at Sammy because yeah. Tony thought that the relationship between AEW and Impact was going to be put at risk because of Sammy's behaviour. Huh. So basically, you know, Sammy got in trouble with the teacher. So he, he, he could have, like, could Tony Khan think that he was going to be detrimental to the Impact relationship? Yeah, clearly, like, Tony Khan likes like working with Impact and he didn't want, uh, he thought that Sammy, like, just leaving before the tapings was going to yeah. ruin their relationship. No, well, it's, it's good that the silly weed dick didn't fuck things up. Yeah. So, uh, I remember also talking about these paid ads that kept happening. They did a one with a bunch of AEW guys and uh, you had Brian Cage there as well. And also they mentioned his time in Impact. He said, like, you know, I'm a former Impact champion. It was the last time that belt meant anything. <laughs> and, ah, you're right. You keep saying that. And who knew Brian Cage was so funny? <laughs> Who, who knew? Who knew? <laughs> who knew he was a total dick? I know. Well, last thing it meant anything. You were injured for most of your run. Yeah. Idiot. <laughs> yes. Idiot. But, like, going into sacrifice, I think TJP's issue was he was too overconfident going against Ace Austin, where they kept doing these segments in, uh, in, in Swinger's Palace, where... Every time he saw and said something, Johnny Bravo would hand TGP money. I bet him you'd say that. I bet him you'd say that too. Mm-hmm. And you know, Josh Alexander at one point got into his face and like, like take this seriously. You're the X Division champ. Uh, and then he and had a match with Chris Bay on the Go Home episode of Impact, which TGP basically distracted Ace to cost him the match. Uh, yeah, a hell of a match on the Go Home as well, even though Ace lost. Oh yeah, yeah. And then we'll well, you, you know fine well whenever there's a match between Chris Bay and Ace, uh-huh. it's, it's going to be phenomenal, you know? Yeah. Like any match in that, like you were saying earlier in the show, mm-hmm. any match in that X Division at the minute is fucking gold. I know, it does feel like they can't really do any wrong with the X Division, which Yeah, is I mean, you, you, put, you put any one guy up against any one other guy, it's going to be fire. You know, mm-hmm. and I mean, who have you got? You've got you've got Ace, you've got TJP, you've got Rohit, you've got Chris Bay, mm-hmm. you've got Manic on occasion, you've got Suicide, you've got Dinar. Mm-hmm. You've so many potential people mm-hmm. that can be in that X division. And I know uh, I talked about like we were kind of down going into the build to No Surrender and. Or they're basically just kind of waiting for No Surrender to get the way so they can move on and other, other things and things have improved on TV uh, since then. Yeah. And I know it's not comparable to, like, say, Dying Days WCW, but I think the comparison can be made to where, like, when we were talking about uh, WCW and the reviews we did about the Cruiserweight division and that no matter if the company's doing well or doing shite, the Cruiserweight's always stole the show no matter what. And I think that's the case of the history of Impact Wrestling, no matter what kind of period they're in in terms of how well they're doing or how good the product is, the X Division yeah. always shines through. And I think that's been the case. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. And then obviously we got to Slammiversary Sacrifice and yeah. Ace Austin won the the title. We thought Madman oh. Folk was going to get properly involved and like cost DGB, but he didn't play that much of a role except for like when nah. Ace Austin did a flip to the outside and basically... 
my man phone just stood there and let him lean on him so he didn't fall over. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? He won that belt and I was like, Woo! <laughs> I was like, yes, he won it. And I don't even think that's a hyperbole. I think uh, Paul legit did that in the middle of his own living room. I, I kind of did. Kind of did. You do you, man. Your house. And I'll be I'll be honest, at the time, I wasn't in my living room watching it. I was lying in bed the next morning. Myself and Brian were watching it. Mm-hmm. With a bit of a joint. You know, we were having a smoke. <laughs> we were watching fucking Sacrifice. And it was, you know, being high and watching Ace win the X Division title was a good way to start the day. Hmm. How else do you start your day, you know? <laughs> Sometimes I'm not high. <laughs> but Ace wins. He, there's a, a great moment afterwards where Fulton's like holding him up on his shoulders while he holds up the title and the, the Super X Cup trophy. A hell of a match, you know, we have a history between the two because Trigger is going to bring up the fact that Ace came in the impact when a wee bit of an unbeaten run and then the first guy he beat him was TJP. Uh, but, you know, Ace I, love, also- I love that finish that has. The fold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love that thing. Yeah, I remember how good it was like during the, the Sabretics Cup itself because he seemed to like every match he won it with, he hit it from a different angle or position. And, yeah. And he really hit it on anyone of any real size. So, I like the way he did it because like TGP was going up to the top and then uh, Adelson accidentally knocked into the ref and then that gave him the opening. You know, really quick, quick, quick. I almost blinked and almost missed the... Uh, the set up into the fold, it was that quick of a finish. Mm. So, Ace is the X Division champion, you know, always, all seems right with the world. And the last, even like the last three uh, decisions in terms of championships, especially this one one, if that, uh, this one one, if that uh, goes into what I, what I said down the line of Miss eventually winning it. But like with that happening and Good Brothers losing the titles, then Ace winning the title, uh, I think. There were a lot of good decisions made at Sacrifice, which makes it why it's such a good show. Mm. And one thing we were down on when we were talking about leading to no surrender was the knockouts division, and that it seemed to be very directionless. And yeah, it does. It still does, in my opinion, at times. And like the six, they had the six woman tag at no surrender. It was meh. It was as meh as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't anything much to write home about. It's one of those rare cases where the low expectations still leave you, like, disappointed. Like, my expectations were low, and they were right to be. Yeah. And like, the more it goes on, like, get rid of the Susan thing, please. She's not adding anything. Oh, she doesn't get to speak. Yeah. Bring back Susie. Yeah. Or Sue Young. Also, oh, a random bit of trivia here, by the way. Uh, a couple of Impact guys are wrestling the matches, me and a weekend in, in Florida. There's still a few shows yeah. that are happening. And Sue Young's competing in a death match at one of these shows. Yeah. Yeah, he's an intergender like, death match. I can't remember the guy that she's facing, but apparently he's quite known in the death match scene. That should be pretty cool. And also, there's a GCW show called For the Culture where. Uh, Rich Swan is fighting two cold Scorpio. Oh, cool. <laughs> or Flash Funk for you late 90s rest- yeah. uh, WF fans. 
That's going to be cool. Mm. Wonder, I wonder how good Tuchel still is because I remember watching him in the, the show that must not be named, and he was one of the still one of the better parts of the the show. Hey, that man will be fine. That man's still good. <laughs> you know why? Why? He's flash. <laughs> Fair enough. That's all the reason that he's. Uh, also, uh, I, wonder, I wonder if he'll bring the funkettes with him. <laughs> uh, I, I doubt it. Uh, or if he does, it'll come out, but they'll both be standing two metres from him on either side. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, you mean we'll get no funkettes? Oh, no. Well, they didn't advertise them as. as Flash on the advertisement too called Scorpio. He'd still bring the funk out, so he'd wear his fedora. <laughs> moving on, moving on. Uh, also, uh, at uh, uh, No Surrender, we had Fire and Flavor retaining against Havoc and Nevea, and I think it was a decent match, and it was a tornado match, but match with uh, Jazz and Jordan Grace at Sacrifice I think was way better than their No Surrender match. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll talk about the Sacrifice match in a second, but uh, this is weird. That it's very, like, weirdly, like, try to figure out about this. Uh, the Knockouts Tide division, they brought it back, which was good. They had a bunch of people aligned, and then some people have left. And so I was like, you did. You continued the thing with Havoc and Nevea, but even though the build was was crap to the match, I still think uh, Steels and Hogan were the right choices for the first champs. But oh, they were. They were. They were. But then also they did the match with Havoc and Nevea, and also they they moved on the other challenges because they don't want to run that feud into the ground anymore. Uh, <laughs> but then they so then they fought Jazz and Jordan Grace, which and they retained there. And I'm starting to wonder how many more teams they've got they can face because now they seem to be breaking up Havoc and Nevea. Yeah, yeah, we've done that now. Yeah, they were teasing Nevea it, I think. Gave, Nevea gave her a kick in the other night. Yeah, because like, like, I think it was Nevea who had the the doubts about it. And then they, they tried, Havoc tried to help get her back on side. And then they had the whole thing with uh, Caleb and uh, Tino Dash. So they had a intergender tag match against them at Sacrifice, which they lost and it was weird, I think if anyone was going to turn it should be Havoc turning on Nevea because Nevea's been the one doubting them, the team whereas Nevea's yeah, the one on The thing is, Mogo have been making Havoc look particularly emotionally weak I think is the best way to put it mm. Like, they haven't even had, you know like when we first well when I first seen Havoc a while back now mm-hmm. she was just dominant Psycho, mm-hmm. you know, and now she seems to be, you know, she seems to have lost her edge. Yeah, maybe that'll play with into the way she's, with the way she's going. And Nevea just seemed like when Nevea gave her a kicking, mm-hmm. Nevea seemed fed up with the fact that she seemed so bloody weak. And she went and when she went and finished giving her a kicking, she was like, and I thought I was the weak one, you well, know. Well. You, you break it down like that. I think this then makes the leads to the makings of a good story then between the two, because yeah, Nevea was the one doubting herself, and then she realised it's not me that was holding us back; it was you, and so yeah, I'm not. And then maybe through the feud, 
Harry will be a bit hesitant, kind of like how Jake something was a bit hesitant to fight Dina, and before eventually finding like the old Havoc. That'd be good to see, like the Havoc that went and hung so young. You know, <laughs> it's, it's weird how that rhymes, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She hung. Young, too hung. <laughs> it's the Doctor Zeus book of murder. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. But yeah, so it's kind of a shame I to did see. Did not hang her from a pole. <laughs> <laughs> I was out for a stroll. Yeah. We'll try. I'll move on. Move on. But so it's a shame to see those two break up. But then again, as Again, a potential for the story there and the fact that it's a story that isn't title-related, which is always good to see. It shows that a division has depth. We can have more than one feud going. Yeah, well, I mean, you you think about it, right? Going right back. Mm-hmm. When Nevaeh turned up and she would just stand there and she wouldn't say anything, she would just lair. Uh-huh. And then eventually she teamed up with Havoc and Havoc accepted her in and she was like they made a good formidable team mm-hmm. you know like she obviously turned up seeing something in Havoc she wanted to team with her mm-hmm. and now Havoc seems to have lost her edge and like I say Nevaeh's going I thought I was a bloody weak one like I, I came here to make this formidable partnership with you and you're turning weak on me mm-hmm. you know there's so there's so much potential story in that as you say uh-huh and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be, like, it doesn't always have to be title-related. I mean, you can have great fucking storytelling without the aid of a belt, you know? Yeah, totally. And I think when she showed up, they really just explained, no, these two go back a long way. They go back, they're teamed on the independence, and that when yeah. everybody was, like, kind of pairing up in, in anticipation for the tie titles being brought back. And yeah. so I think then they can further explore that, uh, that relationship because the idea of, like, Havoc yeah, being the one that finally forming an attachment to somebody since she's been an impact and that has let her cause her to kind of drop her drop her guard and and now she's like getting this feud so it's kind of a shame for the the, division, the tag division that we've lost the team but it's good that we've got this potential rivalry to come out of it yeah but I think it's, I think it's only going to be a good thing you know Mm-hmm. And looking at a uh, heart, uh, sacrifice back at that uh, match with Jazz and Jordan Grace, who won the normal contendership by beating Susan and Kimberly. Uh, I thought it was a really good match. She had some really good double teams by uh, Steelers and Hogan, like taking advantage of being behind the rest of that. Like the idea that they were trying to keep Jazz out of the, the match. Uh, it was a really cool move where Jazz had a kind of a stack up pin as soon as. I think it was Steele's kicked out. She grabbed the leg, turned her around and locked her in an STF. Oh, yeah. That was good, It was good, yes. And again, the right result with the having a via, no, having a via, Ed Hogan and Steele's winning. And it was, I think it was a much better match than uh, the match they'd had with Tavik and Avia the month prior. Mm. Uh, also, the, on that sacrifice... Uh, because Diana needs a temporary opponent. Uh, they randomly revealed, oh, by the way, she attacked ODB a few weeks ago, so then ODB got a title shot. Yeah. And the way that Matt Stryker described like the two in terms of their style, just like saying that Diana is a fancy new pair of shoes, whereas ODB is that old pair of bits, they're comfy, but you've had them for a long time or something like that. Yeah. 
Yes, I'm sure she. I'm sure she's finding that complimentary way of you describing her. I don't. I don't much. I don't much care for ODB. Yeah, I know you don't. Uh, I do. I do have to admit, it was it was an okay match. You know, the only had better, but she has had worse. You know, it was definitely better than that weirdly one-sided yeah. affair with Taya Valkyrie. Nah, ODB is just a pain. Yeah, I know you're obviously not a fan of her, and. It was a good one-off match, you know, it's a weird clash of styles. I did like that uh, when Diana kind of took advantage of Miss D to kind of lock in the armbar. It's before AOD could think about escaping, she locked the, the other arm in the Venus de Milo and ODB seemed to tap almost immediately, like, putting the fact, like, emphasising the fact that, you know, the Venus, the one-armed, like, armbar you can maybe get out of, but when she locks the two arms and locks in the Venus de Milo, you're fucked. Yeah. Yeah, and then one of the only like matches announced for for the Hardcore Justice is well, actually only two matches are announced at the time recording, and they're all both knockout really. There's a multi-woman like weapon space match for an upcoming contendership, and Dion is now facing Jazz for the title with Jazz's career on the line. That's going to be a hell of a match. It is, and now I'm wondering what what's going to happen. Is this yeah? Uh, I know Jazz only came in temporarily, no team rejoined Grace. She had that great match at Genesis. They had this match at, at Sacrifice in the tag match. Is this uh, going to be the end of her run, or do you see her getting that brief, you know, a wee nostalgia run and maybe lose that rebellion? Well, you, th- you think about it, right? You think about it. Jazz is a fucking seasoned pro. She's been there, done that, wall the shot, you know? Mm hmm. And, and she's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Right? Let's let's not disguise the fact that she is fucking awesome. She's hardcore jazz, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody who I've everybody who I've spoke to about it like on Facebook with Brian, blah blah blah, everybody thinks oh Diana's gonna win. Right? Mm-hmm. What if? Just think that much. What if? What if Jazz actually gets the win? I, I wouldn't be against it. I'd be surprised, but I wouldn't that be against the, it. That would be the coolest thing for Impact. It'd, be, it'd, it'd get the kind of hype what Slammiversary got. Uh-huh. If Jazz won the title, and like you say, maybe it will be just a nostalgia run. Maybe she'll, like, hold it for a week and lose it again or something, but whatever. I don't give a fuck. If she wins it, it will go off the fucking chain, man. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I mean, you can always have, like, I wonder if like the the small women match to announce a more contendership. I wonder if that's gonna be the match for Rebellion or if that's an actual impact. Because like, say Jordan Grace won the the number contendership and then Jazz wins the title, they can have a rematch this time for the title. Maybe Grace wins the title back. Yeah. You know, we can reunite the thing with her and Diana because I've been saying for a while that I, we're getting to the point where I don't know who can beat Diana Perazzo, but. I wouldn't be against, you know, Jazz doing it. Yeah. And I, know, I noticed the other day when uh, Tommy Dreamer was talking to Susan, mm-hmm. I noticed that she started twitching again. Oh. Interesting. He said something to her and the stage was like, look, can we drop the Susan shit? Mm-hmm. I've got Hardcore Justice coming up and she started twitching again. Mm. When he When he mentioned Sue... So, you know, to be thinking Sue Young. He was like, "Stop with Susan shit, bring back Sue." And he, she was like, "Oh, I don't care about this shit." And then she started to twitch a bit, and he was like, "Ooh." 
you're thinking maybe Harcourt just as we see the return of uh, Sue Young? Well, we've, we've had no real... We haven't had any real closeout to this whole thing about Deonna getting her under control or James getting James Mitchell to get her under control again. Mm-hmm. We've had no real fallout from that, so there's every chance, you know? Yeah, because I was interested, like, well, she's named Sue, now she's aligned with Deonna, and, like, what's Deonna going to do to use her to her benefit? And she really hasn't, because every time like, her and Kibli try to get involved, you always get, like, kicked out from ringside, and Deonna has to win her own. So mm. what real benefit has Susan really brought her? None, because they've done nothing with it. You know, even if they don't have her, like, win the gauntlet, or show up in the gauntlet as, as Susan, or as Sue, uh, you can still have her Susan fuck up and cause cost Deonna the title against Jazz. Deonna maybe that slaps her across the face, and then that's where we see the uh, the transformation. Yeah, I wouldn't be, you know, too against it. Uh, we'll move on slightly because uh, we've been going. Uh, we will. I do have other things. I'm not saying oh, I've got better things to do, but I do have like other stuff on. And I know we went, we went in quite a lot of detail and there was a lot to cover, but something that was very interesting was uh, the oh. uh, the developments of uh, Violent by Design. Yeah. Yeah, we have uh, Diener versus Jake something at a uh, you know, surrender. It was a decent match. Uh, I think I feel like I say that a lot, but it was. Uh, Beard, uh, or sorry, Jake, uh, got the win, no surrender. They then tried to attack immediately afterwards. They teased putting through a table, well, they actually did put through a table, Jake Doran powerbombed him from the middle rope through a table, which then set up a tables match yeah. between him and Diener on impact, which Jake won again. Uh, a de- really decent one where he kind of sprung off the ropes, Jake Coleman kind of a spin side slam through the table, and it was after that that he was attacked by Moose, which set up their TNA title match later on. Which I remember thinking, like, well, oh, it's kind of weird they haven't get beat twice, but then they did this really creepy segment with uh, Doran and, and Eric Young of uh, Diener accepting the consequences for his for his failure. Oh yeah, and they get them all kicked in. Yeah, they basically beat the shit out of him. They have him like get locked in his room with Joe Doran gets beat the shit out of, him. and now they said like we're doing this for your good and our violence and the help of this disease. Is like the violence is the only thing I understands, and then they got confronted by Storm and Sabin, who obviously alongside Eric Young are TNA like originals, and they're like, "What the hell happened to you?" and all that, and yeah. so they, they then set up a match at a hard sacrifice against Father by Design, which was good, and then but I think most people want to talk about the uh, the finish where we saw. Rhino join Violent by Design. Yeah. <laughs> like, last time we saw Rhino was him getting after Hard to Kill where he got beat up by Violent by Design like, they took the chair to his ankle and everything. So I don't know what about that caused him to turn. But mm. I just put in my notes, what about Heath, man? Heath's gonna... Heath will turn up. Heath will turn off. It'll be fine. How could you, man, know? The kids. Because, like, I'm pretty sure he's still got the call your shot uh, opportunity. And they said he, originally he and Heath were going to use that for the tag titles. So, is he now going to team with someone in Violent by Design to win the tag titles? Maybe. Oh, that would be good. 
Alright, it was only until we started recording that I forgot that I forgot that he was doing that he was they uh, had did have the call your shot kind of gauntlet thing. And yeah. Also, it's gonna mention how they do that, but then now because uh, Eric Young, you know, he wrestled James Storm in what was apparently James Storm's one thousandth match. Uh, yeah. But at this tape, it said even Eric Young suffered a really bad injury. Is gonna be out for up to like six months. That won't matter, though. He can still lead VBD. Yeah, I think. Uh, hopefully, it's uh, one of these ones where he can show up in a non-wrestling capacity because, you know, I think uh, a lot of the strength of Amity and their story it settles on him being there to be, like, the talker for them. Yeah. He'll be, as long as he doesn't have to wrestle, and I don't think he needs to, he's enough of a character not to. Yeah, he can definitely get involved in a way that doesn't require wrestling. I think if you're going to, like, put the tag titles on anyway, it probably will be end up being Rhino and Dina that won it. But then it's always a possibility for the free bird to kind of rule. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only real other thing I thought about, I mean, at Sacrifice we also had, you know, uh, Decay versus Reno Skill, and that was a good match. Uh, yeah. Decay have been really good recently. Rosemary's in the uh, the title, uh, like the normal continuous thing. If she gets back in the title team soon, hopefully she has a better match than our, our last one at Final Resolution. Uh, the only well, real storyline is uh, the thing with Brian Myers that culminated at, uh, at Sacrifice with Eddie Edwards with the whole you know, him wearing the iPad. She brings in Hernandez as his backup, which led to them teaming against Matt Cardona and Eddie Edwards. And uh, they did this match with Eddie Edwards and Myers on TV where Cardona was made the referee and he had the. I remember they joked about, like, have you got your own ref shirt? Of course I've got my own ref shirt. Is it sleeveless? Of course it's sleeveless, because whenever a wrestler uh, uh, has to be a referee, he's always got a, sh- a referee shirt with no sleeves on him. And, yeah. and they also joke that it's going to be an eye for an eye, kind of poking fun at WWE for doing their eye for an eye match. Yeah, uh, that was funny. And then also Cardona disqualifies Mark because he blatantly sees him using, like, putting something down his elbow pad. To, uh, to help like give his like lariat like, on uh, Eddie Edwards a bit more oomph to it and so Cardone disqualifies him leading to a hold harmless match at Sacrifice where it's a no DQ match between Eddie and, and Myers also Myers if he gets any further damage to his eye he can't sue Impact mm. which, which was a good uh, match you know I did like the whole thing with that the thing that he tried to put down his, his elbow pad because Eddie Edwards ended up winning the match but sliding that down his, his knee pad before he hit the Boston knee part so it kind of came back to to bite Myers yeah you know a decent, decent enough story there um, uh, this is going to lead to eventually Cardona versus Myers say uh, Rebellion maybe maybe hi maybe yeah, that, that seems maybe he go. He's been kind of in the periphery of this, and it seems like now that Myers is done with Edwards, so this is going to be the story. Hmm. Oh, maybe. I mean, there were a few moves that Eddie Edwards did that made it look like you know you probably hurt yourself more than you hit Myers. Like we did the try to do that back back stunner through the table. It just looks like yeah. you just went arse first through a table. Yeah, hurt his butt. Hmm. Hurt his ass. <laughs> 
and yeah, uh, well, I don't really know what else to say, but that's one of those kind of undercard. And if it's uh, a little, a quick thing, we're recording on a Thursday, uh, the eighth of April, at the same recording. So it'll have happened by now, but. Uh, tonight is the first episode of Impact Wrestling moving to Tuesday night, not Tuesday, Thursday nights, from Tuesday to Thursday nights, because uh, next Tuesday, the 13th, NXT officially moves to Tuesday night, so Impact don't want the competition, so they went, went a week early to uh, the Thursdays, which kind of was their old night back in the old like TNA like Spike days, uh, yep. so I think it, it makes sense that they went to Thursday, because they're unopposed really with anything. Uh, like, you know, you've got NXT UK on the network, but not a lot of people really check that out. So now you've got a Raw on a Monday, NXT on a Tuesday, AEW on a Wednesday, Impact on a Thursday, SmackDown on a Friday. So, yeah. Anyway, in your, in your weekly wrestling, there's plenty for you to watch. And they've got Kerry Omega to help try and boost the numbers for the first episode uh, on uh, Thursday and hopefully make it for that recent record low where. Apparently it's going to be the Good Brothers and Omega versus Eddie Edwards, Rich Swan, and Willie Mack in the main event. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good that Impact are moving to Thursdays. Hopefully they've got enough enough of a fan base uh, that were on Tuesday that follow them over and more people can see them if they don't have anything else competing with them because, like I said, when the NXT briefly did experimented with Tuesdays last year, they did lose quite a lot of viewers that particular night, so... Hopefully they can still like keep whatever fallen they have going at the minute. Mm. Uh, another wee thing about Impact, uh, they've debuted a new show called Before the Impact, which is basically just you know Josh Matthews and a couple of people just talking about what's to come, what's going to happen on the mm. show. We get an exclusive match, which you can watch on its own on YouTube without having to watch any of the talking, which I'd recommend. I couldn't get through the first episode of Before the Impact. Josh Matthews is just still so annoying. Mm. You know, he was he was talking, he also that interview they've got Gia Miller was on it and uh, they kept trying to you know get over the nickname Mean Gia or something like that. And Josh yeah. just keep going on about the fact that he doesn't have a nickname uh, because nobody likes you. <laughs> and also this Saturday we have Hardcore Justice New Impact Plus Special on April tenth, you know, hosted by Tommy Dreamer. Not really a lot of the matches announced and hopefully by the time you're this and they've done the Go home episode for uh, with a new episode on Thursday. Maybe they'll announce some new stuff, but I think they're trying to do an old school ECW thing where some of the matches are still unannounced by the time you get there and they're revealed on the night. I think that's going to be a cool thing. Yeah, because like, if you're wanting to check it out, you mean you're already, you've probably already got Impact Plus anyway, so you know it's, it doesn't really matter to you if they spring a match on you. Yeah. But you know, it's been a a lot to to get through here and we've enjoyed talking about it and I'm feeling more optimistic about where Impact's going than I was last time we did one of these. You really should because I mean there's only it can only get better. I know. There's only like one way to go and that's up. And I'm gonna be back in a couple of weeks. So next week we'll talk mostly about SME. I'm sure the following week we'll maybe do a the impact one. Uh, talking about Hardcore Justice, about Preview Rebellion, and uh, when after that we can do some uh, Frasier and then get back into more of the, some of the From the Vault series uh, before we end up doing another In Your House. So we're going to have a try and come up with a format for the next couple of weeks. We'll be updating you on that when we can, but 
In the meantime, follow us on Twitter at SBRM and follow me at ScottCloud1986. Yeah, like our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash rambling podcast. And yeah, uh, take out all our back catalog, our previous impact related reviews, our uh, roundups on our back catalog, Android podcasting sites, Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts. Because we like, rate, and review on your platform of choice. Check out all our past podcasts related to Fraser or, or just old school wrestling in general, if that's your, your thing. And I don't know what else to say. Uh, and normally we're trying to rush the, the wrap up, but we have been here geez, an hour and a half. I didn't notice that. Uh, which actually, yeah. given. Uh, an hour and a half we've been at it, and I think we've done some good content, I think. I think so too. Not to pat ourselves on the back no, too much. But, you know, considering, like, the last time we had such a big gap between reviews was, like, when we did Final Resolution and Genesis in the one podcast, and that went well over two and a bit hours. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, we have nicely condensed it. Yeah. And I think uh, the way I've sectioned that, I think, was the right way to, to go about it. And we'll mm. maybe try that going forward with our impact reviews, and hopefully won't leave such a big gap next time. I'm sure I've said that yeah. before, but I probably end up well. I probably will at some point. But you know, think of somebody, Paul, throughout this past month or so of impact that you think's worthy of us playing their theme song. A play us out. Ace Austin. Who did I know he was going to say Ace Austin? Yeah. You know, I can read I'll... you like a fucking book. Sammy Callahan. Yeah, I've not even talked about him. You know, had me he's eight and. Yeah, Trey have been still building to a feud, but I think that's worth talking about the next one because we haven't got much of a development to it. No, not really. Sammy's interesting in, in Scrappy Doo or whatever the fuck he's calling himself as a fud. Have you seen, I don't, I'm not really sure if I'm a fan of uh, Sammy's new theme song. I preferred his old one. I love his new theme song. Well, that's. Fine, we'll play Sammy's new theme, that'll make you happy. Yeah, death machine. <laughs> ah, you're such a child. Yeah, child, death machine. Goodbye. <laughs>